let's take our Bibles together to the book of Proverbs again as we're going verse by verse through this book of the Bible. And we're in chapter 30. I've told you the great thing about preaching through the Bible is that I'm not preaching what I want to preach. not preaching what you want me to preach. Just preaching what God said. And we need everything that he said. And so we're in the text here this morning with several verses that begin with the same phrase. And it's in verse number 11 is where we start our reading, where God tells us there is a generation. He mentions this in verse 12, verse 13, and verse 14. All four verses begin with this phrase. You need to know what generation you're living in. You need to understand how perilous and how Important it is for you to recognize your generation and yet live in a way contrary to the way your generation is. So let's read our verses. He says in Proverbs 30 verse 11, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. As we look at these verses together and these things that are so prevalent in the generation that's being mentioned. And I would say this, that there has always been and always will be in every generation these issues and problems because every generation is sinful. Every generation of man is depraved. But there is, as we began this chapter, an understanding that this is a prophecy in verse number 1. And if you know your Bible, you know as human history continues to go on that the generations of men do not get better and better, but they get worse and worse. And so we need to understand the day in which we live in and how perilous and dangerous that is for my life and for my family and for those that are around me. And I want to say this as I preach this morning, I don't, I, I don't want to just beat up on this generation as far as, you know, we, we take our, as, you know, society divides generations, they'll, you know, they'll call it uh, Generation Z or the Millennial Generation or Generation X or, or whatever. And, and I don't, you know, every one of us when we were growing up, we knew what it was like for the previous generation to beat up the other generation. We, we all know what that's like. And, and I don't want to do that because the sins really that I see in this generation is not really limited to an age group. It's, 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 it's a time frame. The, the sins of young people and the sins of their parents and, and older, it, it's all together. It's, it's one big problem of debauchery in the heart of man. Though we know that there are generational things that that, that different generations have bigger issues with. And that, and that can't be denied. That's true. That's very true. The problems that uh, these young men at their 
15, 16 year old is different issues that I faced when I was 15 or 16. And uh, when Brother Monty lived back in the 1800s, he had different issues when he was 15 or 16 years old. That's just true, right? But as we look at these things about these generations, I'm reminded of what Jesus said about his own generation. Jesus stepped out and he said, This is a sinful and adulterous generation. That's what he said about his generation. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 verse 41 that his generation was a faithless and perverse generation. That's very strong words. To call a generation perverted. So you see, just like in Jesus' day, there's no different today. We have a perverted generation. We have a faithless generation. We have an adulterous generation. We live in a sinful generation. Jesus even said this about his generation. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 16, in Luke 7, 31, fascinating thing. Jesus said, the men of this generation are like unto children. Boy, what a condemnation. That, that the men of the generation aren't really men, they're just children. They, they take no responsibility, they're not as men should be in society. That's the same thing that could be said today. But this, before we get into the text about how awful these condemnations of this genera- generation is, here's what I want to tell you. You do not have to be a part of this generation. You say, preacher, I can't help it. I'm born in the day I'm born in. I, I live in the, the day we live in. What, what do you mean I, I don't have to be a part of this generation? You may be a millennial, but you don't have to be a part of the millennial generation. You can be generation X or Z or whatever they want to call it or the baby boomers, but you don't have to be a part of that generation. You say, how do you know that? Because I have a Bible verse. Isn't it great to have a Bible verse? The Bible tells me in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 6, he says, you are, but ye are a chosen generation. Amen. Amen. You, you can be a generation that's different from the rest of this crowd that we, that we have to live among, but you're a chosen generation. We are a peculiar people, we that belong to Jesus Christ. We are a holy nation. God has called us out of this generation into His marvelous light. He's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. You don't have to be a part of this generation. You may be in your 20s, but you don't have to have the same problems that 20-year-olds have. You can be a teenager this morning, or you can be wherever you find yourself, but you do not have to be a product of your generation. Because in the family of God, God has his own nation, his own people, his own generation. And all the years of passing time in the church, I would love to think that God's people have looked into the Bible and let God make them the kind of people they needed to be in the first century and in the second century and in the third century. You know, you know what? I really wish and I hope it's true. That if God somehow could miraculously transport people that lived 500 years ago and put them in our church here, they'd feel at home. And their lives would be like, does that make sense? Because it's the Bible that should make us what we are. 
It's God living in us that dictates how our lives are, how our beliefs are. That's not always the case, but it should be. You do not have to live like this generation. The problems of this generation do not have to be your problems. Because God says, with me, you can be in a chosen generation. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news in the midst of bad news. And I got plenty of it to give you this morning. But there's good news in the midst of bad news. You don't have to be a part of this. Now, these four verses, there is a generation. What does it say about it? The first thing it says about it, would you look at with me in the Bible, please, there in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. The first truth I see about our generation and the one that is prophesied here in this text is that it is a generation that is against their parents. Do you see that in the Bible right here? I would say that it is unnatural to hate your parents. I would say a person needs to be someone, someone that is without natural affection to curse their father. Unnatural affection. Now, that's a very big phrase because we know what else the Bible says about people that, that, that are without natural affection. It's something natural for you to love your father and your mother. It's natural. We live in a generation that that's not so. The overwhelming attitude toward people's parents, it's not a respect for them. You say, well, how can I respect them when they do this, that, and the other? You know what? The human, the human cause has always been broken. I had great parents. My dad's in heaven. My mom's sitting over there. And I love them. But you know what? They're sinners. You know what I did through life? I didn't try to find their faults. I love them because they're my parents and I knew they loved me. Of course, I had the benefit. They also loved God. That really does help. We have a generation, though, that does not bless their mother. They do not want to be a blessing to their parents. They are a curse to their parents. They do not desire obedience. They do not desire to give honor to their parents. They curse them. They blame them for everything. Can I tell you what? You need to quit. If you're someone, maybe you're 40 years old and you're still blaming your parents. You need to quit that. Because you know, at the end of the day, we all make our own choices. And you know what the Bible says about King Jehoiakim? He was eight years old. The product of his family was not a good one. His situation, his circumstance were not good at all that he was brought into right at the captivity time. But the Bible said about that eight-year-old boy, eight years old, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Eight years old, made his own choice. He could have chosen the God of his 
one of his grandparents. He could have chosen the God of Josiah. He had a, he, he could have chosen the good way and the right way. But at eight years old, God made him responsible. You need to think about that for a little while. You know, if you blame your parents, you'll never take responsibility for the own sin, your own sins of your life. Can you explain to me how somebody can grow up in a drunkard's home and yet turn to Christ and never be a drunkard? Amen. You're not just a product of your environment. You're a product of the choices that you make. Yes, sir. You say, well, I've had bad choices. Nobody in here had any worse uh, circumstances uh, or, or lifestyle than Daniel did. He made right choices. And God blessed him. You know what I would say to this generation? Quit cursing your father. Quit refusing to bless your parents because it just didn't work out like you thought it should work out. Quit blaming them for everything and, 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 and stand up and say, hey, I have to answer to God for myself. None of us when we stand before Jesus Christ will be able to blame someone else for the choices that we made in life. It's me, oh Lord. It's my life. I'm not, I didn't make, look, I grew up in a wonderful home, but my life is not the way it is because my mom and dad were that way. I had to make a choice to love God. I had to make a choice to live for God. I am not just a product of what they were. I had to come to a conclusion. This is what I want for my life. We have a generation that is against their parents. They don't, they curse their father. They do not bless their mother. I, I can't imagine not wanting to be a blessing to my mom and dad. I just can't imagine that. By the way, I wouldn't just say that about my mom and dad. I wanted to be a blessing to my father-in-law. You know, you read that in the Bible many times, and they'll talk about somebody's father. And sometimes it's not even their, their blood father. Sometimes it's their father-in-law. You know, wouldn't it be good if, if, if children would love the father-in-law and the mother-in-law as well as they love their mother and their father? Do you not see that there's a generation that there's so much animosity and so much strife and so much envy and so much hatred and so much bitterness and nobody's heart is right and there's just this against. It's not natural not to love your parents. It's not natural for me not to love my father-in-law. I've got to let the devil do a work in my heart for that, not for that to happen, you see. We've got a generation that's killing their Fathers and mothers. You know, the Bible says in First Peter or First Timothy chapter one, he talks about murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers. What can you imagine murdering your father and mother? You know, if you read the news any, and I really don't recommend that to you, but every day you're hearing about somebody that killed her mom and daddy. It may be a whacked out teenager. Shoot, it, 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 could be a, it could be an eight-year-old today. That's true. Murdered their father and mother. Or, or I'm not just talking about the younger generation. How about what I just read last week? 
50-year-old woman in Pennsylvania. I guess she got tired of taking care of mom and dad that were old and murdered both of them and cut them up with a chainsaw. Do you know that happens every day? Can I tell you that is a product of a devilish generation? That is so unnatural. It is not natural not to love your mother and father. Even with all their warts and their problems. I tell you what, if you're a mother or if you're a mother or father today, you want your children to love you. Amen. It'll break your heart if they don't love you. I, I, there's a different way to kill your parents. You can not only kill them uh, physically. You can take their heart and stamp on it and cut it up into little pieces. You can kill them. Spiritually speaking, you can destroy their heart. I wouldn't give you a nickel for somebody that would break the heart of their parents. That's the generation we live in. There's something wrong with you. There's something devilish with you. As a matter of fact, look in your text. This is what God says about this generation that will not bless their mother and curse their father. He says in verse number 17, would you look at it? He pronounces a judgment upon them. Now, in the Old Testament, they would stone them to death for, for sinning in these ways against their parents. But look at the severity of verse number 17. What a verse in the Bible. Proverbs thirty seventeen: The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the raven of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagle shall eat it. God says if you're against your parents, if you mock your parents, if you despise your parents, if you don't want to bless your parents, if you're just a curse to your parents, he says, he said what you really deserve is for the birds to come pick your eyeballs out. What a condemnation. You know, everybody doesn't have a Wonderful mother and dad like I grew up with. Everybody didn't have that. But don't be a part of the generation that curses their father and will not bless their mother and that mocks and despises. Pick your eyes out. You deserve your eyeballs to be picked up. A generation against their parents, secondly. Verse number 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. The first thing about this generation is it's against their parents. The second thing is that the generation is pure in their own eyes, and yet they're still very filthy, but they don't see them themselves that way. They, they see themselves as okay. They now they're hypocritic. They're very they're big hypocrites because they think they're all right and they portray themselves as being pure, but on the inside that they're they're not. Now immediately we can go in our mind's eye over to Jesus' generation with all those Pharisees who were hypocrites and they washed the outside of the cup, but they didn't wash the inside. In other words, they appeared to be clean to people, but on the inside they were very filthy. There's more than one kind of purity. There can be purity on the outside. There's also purity on the inside. And God said about those Pharisees and those hypocrites and those scribes, they they looked so religious on the outside, but they were so dirty on the inside. They thought and they declared their purity to others. But they were the most dirty in the midst of Jesus. 
You know what? They have so much in common. The Pharisees have so much in common with the perverted. You know what the perverted say? They say, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm fine. I've not done anything wrong. The Bible says they call evil good. They're pure in their own eyes. They, they, they don't think what they're doing, though, it's filthy. They think it's fine. They, they listen to filthy music. They don't see anything wrong with it. Oh, what, what's wrong with it? Preacher, I mean, this generation, we have different types of music. It doesn't matter that the lyrics are immoral and, 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 and that they are, that, that they're, they're blasphemous. It doesn't matter if the music uh, makes my body move and makes me want to sin. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with me shaking my body. Nothing wrong with me exposing my flesh. We live in a generation that's pure in their own eyes. They don't think it's wrong to show their nakedness or their body parts. Nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong with what's wrong with what I'm wearing. Why are you so condemnatory about me showing my, my breasts or my legs or my body? What's, there's nothing wrong with that. They're pure in their own eyes, but they're filthy. And they have the same thing in common with the Pharisee that thinks he's all right, but inside his mind is just as filthy, but he'd never, he'd, he'd never, he'd never be caught dead looking like he was filthy. You see what I'm saying? Oh, there's a generation that's pure in their own eyes. They don't see anything wrong with their fornication. I, 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 I probably shouldn't even give this illustration. As I preach in meetings and I sit down and talk with pastors that have all their issues and problems, I'm overwhelmed by all that I'm hearing about this generation. Pastor sat down and talked with me about a, a young girl that grew up in, from, from a baby, from a baby, grew up in a good Bible-believing church, a good Bible-believing home. And when she turned 18, which is just very recent, turned 18, she said, I'm on, she's on the Internet, and she's gonna, she, the home, a homeless man was going to come pick her up in his, in his vehicle, and she's going to live in a truck with him. And she grew up in a, in a Bible-believing church. And they sat down and reasoned with her and said, why in the world would you do something so foolish and so sinful? You know what she said? She said, I just want to have sex. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Everybody does that. What's wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with shacking up. I, I don't see anything wrong with having a child out of wedlock. I mean, that, that bastard word in the Bible, that, that's, so, uh, that's so out of date. I don't see anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with my, my lesbian desires and lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with the dirty language and the dirty movies that I watch. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just part of the culture. There's nothing wrong with me cheating or lying or stealing. I'm not a bad person. They're pure in their own eyes. Nothing wrong with my gossip. Preacher, why don't you preach on these bad people? I'll run, I'll wag my tongue and run my mouth. I got a tongue as long as the highway running people down. There's nothing wrong with me. There's strife in my home and strife everywhere I go and every relationship I have. There's nothing wrong with me. It's everybody else's fault. Yes, my, my closest people are vain people and people that don't love God and I'm following people that have all types of vices in their life. But there's nothing wrong with me. 
Preacher, I'm not a bad person. I ignore God. I know I ignore God, but there's nothing wrong with me. I don't like to come to church, but there's nothing wrong with me. I despise preaching. But, but preacher, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. I've not done anything wrong. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. You see, our purity, it doesn't matter what it is in our eyes. It matters what it is in the eyes of God. And I want to tell you as well as I can tell you this morning that God Almighty from heaven is looking down in your heart and he knows if you are pure. And we can tell ourselves that we're all right, but that doesn't change our filthiness. Yet is not washed from their filthiness. You know what I believe? I believe the cleanest people are the people that constantly see their own filthiness. The cleanest people are the people that constantly see their own filthiness. We we don't take record or attendance of people that bow their knee in this church house and respond to God. But, but, But if I were to guess, the majority of the people in the last six, seven years that I've been here, that have bowed their knee at altar prayer or in their own pew and have confessed their sins and have asked God to cleanse them and have acknowledged to God that they're not right with God are probably the cleanest people in the church. It's the one, I don't need to go to the altar. I have no sin to confess. I've not done anything wrong. My life's all right. It doesn't look like so-and-so. There is a generation that's pure in their own eyes and yet not washed from their filthiness. You know what the good news about this verse is? Everybody can get washed. The wonderful thing about God, the wonderful thing about the Bible, he says over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he gives some of the horrendous list of sins you've ever read, read in your life. You know what he says to those church people there in Corinth? He said, yeah, you used to be a fornicator, but you're washed. You used to be an adulterer, but you're washed. You used to abuse yourself with mankind, but you're washed. You used to be an idolater. You used to be a covetous man. You used to be, amen, you used to be filled with blasphemy in your heart. You were effeminate. Boy, he gives a bad list there. He says, but you're washed. You're not, you're, you're not a thief anymore. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The great news is that we all can get washed. But some people never get to the blood. As we sang this morning, water can't wash it away. The baptistry can't wash it away. Turning over a new leaf can't wash it away. I have got to get to the blood. I've got to contact the blood. You know, the blood's so powerful. 
Amen. That for generations and generations and thousands of years, truckloads and trainloads of sin just every day have been dumped into that blood of Jesus. And it never did uh, take away its purity. And it never did take away its power. You can just dump all the sin you want there and the blood's still there. It's still just as efficacious. Doesn't hurt it at all. It still remains. Just take all the sin you want to sin the whole world, dump it in the blood, it's fine. So the question is, why aren't we washed? Because we're pure in our own eyes. And it's her, God. And it's Him, Lord. And it's you, God. It's never me. I don't know about you. But I had to take a trip to the blood this morning. Are you washed this morning? Have you been made clean? You can be. Don't be a part of the generation. They're pure in their own eyes. And yet, they're not washed from their filthy. You know, it's so easy to get the blood. If you don't get the blood, it's your fault. I mean, it's right there. I love singing that song where it talks about the spirit answers to the blood and tells me. I just put my heart, my hand on my heart. I look up to God. I say, all right, amen. Just keep on applying it. Keep washing me and cleansing me because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses me from all sin. Just wash me, Lord. There's not a sin in this building. Jesus can't wash away that quick right now. But the only reason he doesn't because we're pure in our own eyes and we don't see a need to have it washed. We keep telling ourselves there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a good Christian person. It's all, all the homos. It's all the rapists. It's all the Democrats. Got to throw that one in there for good measure. Amen. No, no, it's me, O oh Lord. Helpless people, hopeless people are people that are pure in their own eyes and are not washed from their sins. He says in verse number 13, the third thing about this generation. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. And their eyelids are lifted up. You can see the arrogance in their look. You can see their proud look a mile off. They could never be corrected. They could never be rebuked. They could not be reasoned with because they're a proud generation. And you can see it on their face. You know, I want to be like that that publican man there in Luke chapter 18, verse 13. The Bible said he would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven. What a contrast. Here's a generation, their eyes are lofty, their eyelids are lifted up, and then here's a man whose eyes, he's so humbled in his heart, he won't even look up to God's heaven because he's so embarrassed and repentant over his sin. Oh, could we take a place of humility like that man instead of being a part of a proud generation? God can't help proud people. He can't save proud people. He won't even be around proud people. God resisted the proud. 
Oh, that we'll be a humble church. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and be like our Savior. Aren't you glad Jesus wasn't proud? He had a right. He had a right to tell the whole world. He had a right to stand up and demand everything, but no, he humbled himself. What a Savior. I'd rather be like that than, a, than like this generation that you see that you see their face. You see the smirk on it. You see the pride on it. God give us a different heart. You know the Antichrist and we're in his system. But the Antichrist when he shows up and when he has his kingdom. The Bible says he goes into the temple of God showing himself that he is God. The biggest move of pride human being make, I'm God. I'm God. That's where we are in this generation. I'm God. God didn't make me. I'll make myself what I want to be. God is not my creator. I am my own. I, I, am my, I set my own path for my life. I make the own way of my life. I don't humble myself to the God that made me. I live my life the way I want to and answer to nobody for it. I'll be my own God to determine what's right and what's wrong and what's moral and what's immoral. I'll be my own God. I will not worship another and adore another. I'll adore myself and worship myself. There is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. I hurry and give you the last thing this morning. Thank you for listening. He says in verse 14, there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. I see in this text a generation that's against their parents and a generation that's pure in their own eyes, yet they're filthy. And a generation that is proud, but lastly, I see a, a generation that's cruel. Cruel. He said in this verse, there's a generation whose teeth are as swords. Their jaw teeth as knives to devour. The psalmist said it this way, and I'll read it in your hearing. In Psalm chapter 54, he says it this way. In Psalm excuse me, 57, verse 4, he said, My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Jesus talked about, and so did John the Baptist, about the generation of vipers. You know what vipers do? They bite. They poison. They sting. Teeth are as swords and spears. Just a cruel generation. How people talk to each other and about each other. There's no encouragement. There's no edification. The kindness isn't there. The graciousness is not there. It's just devouring, devouring. You know, the devil's doing enough devouring. We don't need to devour each other. Isn't that what Galatians, what God said to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 15? He said, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. Quit letting the sword and the 
the spear and the knives come out of your teeth and out of your mouth. Jesus wasn't that way. Oh, we live in a generation that's going to have our due and get back and avenge ourselves. And I'm not going to be treated that way. And I'm going to tell you what for. I'm going to, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what generation you live in. You live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. You have enough of those teeth come out, they'll come back at you. Isn't that the way it works? Let, let, let's, put, let, let's put our uh, swords away. <laughs> Amen. Let, let's put that sharp teeth, that bitingness, that devouring, those knives. Let's put the knives away. Charity is kind. Jesus, they marveled at a man that could speak such gracious words. He said, preacher, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I, I just, I lash out. I say things unkind. I have knives and swords coming out of my teeth. Well, you need, you need to let your, you need a new nature. If you're not saved, you need a new nature. This generation doesn't have a new nature. They don't know how to be kind. They don't know how to be gracious. But if you are saved, you need to let the new nature take control of you. Guys, every one of us have brought the knives out. Come on, don't look, don't look past at me like that. You have said things that have cut people and hurt people and wounded people. And the devil's just sitting in the corner laughing because what he can't devour, you're doing for him. Oh, that we could have a revival of kindness. Amen. A revival of grace. A revival of the character of Jesus. A revival of charity. Amen. You'll not find it in this generation. But you'll find it from the Lord Jesus Christ.